You're gonna have to take that towel off your head. If not, this isn't gonna work. I'm Martina Svanovic. Welcome to the Lark Rati podcast, broadcast to you from virtual Narnia, where the snow falls like data from the CGI trees found through the back of a AAA immersion closet. If you listen closely, you can hear someone weeping. Voices today originate from Oslo, Norway and London, England. My co-host is Simon Brind. Hello. Before we get started, I would like to start with a quick word from our sponsors. Did you know that both sugar and salt are both technically sand? That's right. The term covers a whole range of different products, from condiments to refined sweeteners to exciting industrial aggregates. The experts are Pembleton's, providers of artisan Welsh silicon dioxide, each grain aged for up to five million years. Pembleton's house of sand, because the tides of time wait for no one. So Martina, what would you like to talk about? So today I want to talk to you about something that I found on the internet. Because as you know, the world doesn't really include much outside of the internet these these days. Um, And one of the ways I found of coping with being in lockdown is that I keep looking at real estate and then I imagine what it would be like to move other places. So in the last few weeks, I've been looking at houses in different towns in Os- like near and around Oslo. I've imagined what it would be like to buy a derelict, clearly haunted hotel and start like maybe I should maybe I should start a murder mystery parlor games company in the middle of nowhere. And then we come to this, which is the epitome of weird real estate I have found for sale online. I didn't send it ahead of time because I want your honest gut reaction as you open this well it's from the outside it's quite a spectacular mansion this is in america i assume of course there is an entry foyer a living room a music room a a library foyer an inlaid fireplace floor-to-ceiling bookshelves good work with one of those ladders on a reel right Yeah. yeah and I'm not convinced the fireplace is a real fireplace. But if it's not a real fireplace, I'm not sure I want to spend four and a half million on it. No, it's dollars though. So, hi, American listeners. What is a formal powder room? A formal powder room. Not an everyday informal powder room. It's a formal. And they have a laundry on the second floor. And when I say a laundry, I mean they have a laundry. There's like uh, four washer dryers. I have a notion that the people who owned this house were role players. Mm. And I don't mean LARPers. I'm done here. Okay. (laughs) Uh, Okay, now the basement. What the fuck? So this is a mansion, like a a tacky, like pretending to be an old-timey mansion, but really it's built new. But in the basement, there's a fake town. Like a fake town you could walk through. I don't know why. It it looks like a badly constructed museum gift shop. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm over to one side. There will be some disappointing confectionery and overpriced biros. And and is that a 
an A-type Jag they've got parked around the corner. Mm-hmm. Oh, but they have, a, they have a cinema in here as well that's showing a, a double feature of Mary Poppins and The Exorcist. <laughs> so what would you do with this place if you had it? <laughs> Put it on the market, get rid of it. No, I mean, oh, I'd run the LARP, obviously. But what kind of LARP? Yeah. I mean, there's a lot to unpack here. But, but yeah, I'm pretty sure this is small town America. So some years ago, me and my friend Helen used to run a alternative nightclub in London called B-Movie. Mm-hmm. And it played goth and punk and weird 80s tracks. And it was, it was mainly about having fun. Very drunk. We gave out free sweets and chocolate to people on the way in. And um, alcohol and sugar rush is a hilarious combination, particularly we're combined with the 3D glasses that we occasionally also gave out. And we run 60 of these club nights. Each one was themed on a different B-movie. And so in that time, we used to show the B-movies, we back-projected them over the dance floor. So over that period, I watched a lot of really bad films, a lot of which were made in the in the 1950s and 1960s, and indeed into the 70s and 80s, because we included uh, trauma movies in that space. But I've wanted to run a LARP based on and around the making of B-movies and B-movies themselves for a really long time. So that would be, it would be a good location for it. See, I love B-movies. I grew up on them. Much of my life, uh, I've looked up to my older brother. He's six years older, and he helped define my music taste, my taste in books, my love for role-playing, which he wouldn't let me join in, um, and, and much other things. But, but he wasn't a horror fan. That I found on my own in nighttime when I couldn't sleep. I had like this old black and white TV that I would turn on, and then it would have old movies on it because that's what played in Norway late at night when you couldn't sleep. Um, and it, it's given me this, this love for black and white film and, and movies from the 50s. Mm-hmm. So if I could do this, I would do it in black and white, which I know isn't possible, right? You can't take No, it, it is. It is possible. With <laughs> some really strict costuming. Um, I, I, if you had an entirely indoor location where you control the lighting, like, like this um, McMurder mansion that you've, uh, that you've bought. I think the other strong thing that makes this, this murder mansion so such a compelling location is that you both get the McMansion house part, which you could do like a murder mystery in, or you could do the horror vampire LARP in, but then you have a second film set location downstairs. Yeah, and this, this is what I wanted to do with the B-movie LARP, actually, was make a movie. So you know, the, the characters are the actors and the film crew. Do they actually film? Yes. Awesome. That would be really cool. So for people who don't know us, who are you, Simon, and what do you do? I'm Simon Brick. I'm a LARPer, LARP designer and academic. I'm currently writing up my thesis, which is about how stories work and emerge in LARP. And I'm also part of a LARP creation collective called Avalon LARP Studios. Who are you, Martina? So I'm Martina. Um, 
I'm Norwegian, as you can probably tell from my accent, and also the fact that the intro said we came from Narnia. I'm basically a project manager, but my title is actually concept developer. And I work for a Norwegian publishing house uh, and digital publishing, as well as being part of this LARP collective. That's not just my hobby, it's my art, and I love it. So, because I, I want to talk more about B-movie conceptually, but I think we can't go there without acknowledging, I suppose, the root of this uh, as a LARP idea, which was the, 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 the greatest LARP that never was, the, uh, the failed experiment that was the Rocky Horror LARP. I had an idea, this was at the LARP design conference, I think probably 2016 in Poland, that it would be really good fun to have a LARP that was, which was based on and around the Rocky Horror show. Um, and so on spec, I wrote to them. I said, hello, I've got this idea. Can we please play in your, uh, <laughs> with your IP? But the, the, the Rocky Horror Company said, okay, let's talk. So I got to go to their offices, which is uh, in Whitehall in London. It's, it's right near Trafalgar Square and just up the road from 10 Downing Street. And there's a, there's a theatre there. And I sat one side of the table in a room above the theatre with some really scary theatre people, right? You, you, you think of, of, of gangsters and, and mobsters... Uh, being terrifying but there's an intimidation here because they're used to artifice they live in a world which uh, is very theatrical but it's also about business and big money and I had to try and explain what LARP was and what it was we wanted to do with their IP and about a month later maybe two months got a uh, a thumbs up. I think we should talk about like we were partnership with Job Act. Um, mm. Is that bad? I don't know. It's just true. Yeah. So we we were in partnership with uh, Jobac Art Studios. Um, they were doing the uh, production and they were the money behind it. Yeah, we were going to kickstart it, but in the end, we could only manage to do the Indiegogo, I think. So I, I don't know what went into the design of that, but in the end, it didn't sell. And there's a lot of stuff that we can't use because our original plan there was a to use the world from the Rocky Horror Show and we had a license to build on it and extend that world and let people come and play in it and use the canon characters and all that cool stuff. Like we were going to use the songs. We were going to have um, a roaming band that would play rock and roll music <laughs> around the place. We had a lot of ideas. It yeah. was, yeah. Which is probably why we failed to sell it because the ticket price was was ridiculous um but I, I what i want to talk about really because you were head of design for this piece martina and can you talk us a bit about some of the the learnings from that and and what happened <laughs> i mean there was lots of stuff that was interesting in the design of this larp because it was supposed to both be about the story of rocky horror but also make every single participant feel like they were a canon character. And, and what we were going to do was pretty clever, which was to base every character off one of the, like everyone would be, a, be either a magenta or a frankenfurter or et cetera, right? Like, 
they would all be slightly like that character. They would, they would have their trope to tie them all together. We, we would put them in small groups so that they could play out their drama. But there was lots of layers to this because we wanted to bring in the people from the village or from Denton to be like the normal kids who would get corrupted by this Frankenfurter and, and who would get to experience sexual liberation and all that, that good stuff. And we actually went to the site and we sat there with the whole team and we talked about how we wanted this to be about freedom and sex and violence and queerness. And then we started to think, oh, shit. Um, how do we do this right? Because of course, like the, the team was really, really diverse. I think you, Simon, was our, our token heterosexual. <laughs> uh, and, and to be fair to you, you, you stayed very quiet through the, the whole debate um, of, of how do we make sure that we end up doing something that is both liberating and respectful and that doesn't make people play on the very things that they have to suffer in real life. And it doesn't become mockery when we want it to become a celebration. I think it's an important lesson that I've learned as a designer. I was listening and learning but I don't think my opinion would have added anything to that discussion. I mean listening to straight people is also important <laughs> occasionally but I, I see your point. Occasionally yes well you know you, you get an opportunity to do that all the fucking time. And our first punt at it like what we decided there with our team all together was that we would take out like some of the core themes from the film and the stage play. Uh, we wouldn't play on homophobia, we wouldn't play on racism, we wouldn't play on sexism or sexual assault or transphobia because we felt like the movie and the stage show, oh, maybe it hasn't aged that well. Maybe some of the things Frankenfurter does is not okay today, right? Yeah. There was a, a non-consensual chunk of that movie that is it's not aged well. No. No. And, and therefore we would like design a LARP that would let players explore the drama of sexual liberation and transgression without playing on the things that they feel in real life. We thought that was a good idea. But we weren't sure, right? So what we did was we wrote it up in a one-pager and said that our sexual liberation would be about rock and roll music and dancing. You, you can't hold hands, you can't dance, you can't kiss unless you're married. But it doesn't matter if you marry one or two people. It doesn't matter if uh, you're gay or whatever. That's not the thing. It's the physical contact and the dancing. And we thought, that, oh, that's clever. We, we're off the hook now. It's going to be great. But just in case, we sent it out to a few designers that we know and trust. And we decided, like, okay, we have to bring in some Americans, have to do some Europeans, need to make sure we, fit, we hit a few Nordics, we need women, we need men, we need non-binary designers. Like, we're, we're going to try to, we're going to put everyone, you know, sending it out, making sure we get all views in. Have we got this right? And interestingly enough, every, like, cishet, straight designer we sent this to, like, no matter where they came from or their gender, they were like, yeah, 
Well done. You really thought this through. This is great. You got this. And then we got feedback from the queer and trans designers we asked. And they didn't quite feel that we got it, to be honest. They felt that we kind of missed the whole point of the movie, really. I'm, I'm just, I'm going to quote one of the people, right? Because I have it right here. It seems that by making everything queer, you remove queer from the LARP. I think that's, that's really true. Like, because it becomes safe. Like, if you take homophobia out, it becomes safe for the straight player to play on the oppression. But it also feels like you're erasing the, the queer identity that this thing is really about. Uh, and that was like a... That, when I say it now, it sounds really like, oh, yeah, of course. But like at that moment, I was like, oh, yeah, shit, I haven't thought of it that way. I, yeah, I thought it would still fit, right? But it's... Yeah. But it's, it's an interesting challenge because we had it with um, the quota as well, which is a lot which we worked on with broken dreams who are now part of Carcosa dreams I think they're, they're called that was a lot about people held in a refugee detention center in a near future fictional Wales after it had left the United Kingdom some of our players said look by removing racism from this LARP you are precluding us as LARPers of color from playing on our lived experiences. At the same time, some of our participants did not want to play on those things. So we had to find a way to generate spaces where those things could be explored without putting it right into the face of people who really didn't want to deal with that bullshit in a lab, which is an interesting challenge. Um, in, in the quota, we had more control over the environment. There were one-to-one -one interviews with NPCs that allowed uh, people to opt into that sort of play if they, if they wanted to. I think that was an okay compromise. That still let us, we, we clearly learned from our mistakes and we put it in and, and we listened to our players. And, and I think it was an okay way of doing it. But I also think that did mean that, that those themes percolated through the whole LARP, even if the scene happened with the doctor, right? You would talk to someone else in the hallway later and someone else would overhear and you would know that the doctor is a sexist, right? So it, we didn't quite manage to do two things at once. Mm -hmm. And I think that's probably because it's impossible. And, and possibly disingenuous. Yeah. Right. If, if, if the LARP is going to to privilege or at least tell the stories of marginalized identities that has to be front and center it can't be removed or shoved to one side into a one-to-one -one room yeah. um so let's loop back to b-movie mm -hmm. right? because i i would like to find a way to explore some of those stories that we didn't get a chance to to play with in in denton uh but we have a, a new small town America that um, may or may not be in the basement of a mansion. <laughs> Would you go full on historical, let's put the racism back in, let's put the sexism back in, let's put the 
homophobia back in. Let's largely uh, erase an acknowledgement of trans identities and start from there and see where it leads. Or would you, how would you approach the design challenge? I think it depends if making a B-movie LARP is still going to be about, with the license plate number, like, removed, but still be about Rocky Horror in any way, then yes. But if it's about making 1950s B-movies, I think I want homophobia to be a huge part of it, because that was big in Hollywood, like, there were obviously gay people in Hollywood mm -hmm. pretending to be straight. And there was obviously trans people not being acknowledged and that should be in there. Um, and I don't think we should erase it. But if we play on that, I want in addition to them making B movies, I want there to be actual aliens that come in and fuck with them so that they learn that the world is beautiful and big. And, and first of all, I, I should also add into this, I think, anti-Semitism, because that was a significant problem uh, in, in Hollywood in the 50s, and indeed still is. And communism, right? We have a really interesting historical period to play in, and it needs to move away from the, the Rocky Horror IP. It, we can't do a, um, as you say, it, it's, it is the Rocky Horror Show, but it's called something else. That would be uh, a bad idea legally and I think creatively as well. My original pitch was that a movie would be made, but the rushes at the end of each day would be seen by aliens in a geostationary orbit above Earth who believed it to be the news and would react accordingly. So yes, I want aliens to come and mess with people. So do you want it to be about liberation or do you want it to be about suppression of who you are in order to fit in? Well, isn't that the same thing? Then here is a, a rigid society that you have to uh, perform in a particular way to be accepted. Having characters who are struggling with who they are or know who they are and are struggling with the fact that they can't be themselves. I think a lot that enables people to explore that repression and then to find a path where they, for want of a better term, come out. I think that's a, a, a really interesting LARP to play. I think so too. Depending on who comes to our LARP, we would have to design around that. Because I think if you ran this with Norwegian players, you wouldn't have to signpost even a little bit that they would rebel against this oppressive society and all realize that all colors of the rainbow are, are perfectly welcome because that's the world we want. So you might have to put in some stuff gaps or signpost really clearly that we don't want this to happen. <laughs> 10, 15 years ago, I would have said that the UK players approach to this would be to want to know whether we were using Nerf guns or airsoft for the combat mechanic. I, I don't think that would be a fair criticism anymore. And, and I think that the LARP culture of my people is, is much like Norway now, that there would be a, a move towards a happy ending, which pains me personally, not because I don't want there to be happy endings, but as a player, I prefer bleak, miserable, depressing, and ultimately unsatisfying endings to LARPs. 
Yeah, but I mean, you could design for that by just saying <laughs> you put put in enough uh, actual hard ramifications for going outside the norm and tell all the players that we want to explore what it's like to not get to rebel, and they will. I, I, I don't think it would be as much fun to play, though, would it? Well, depends on you what you're after. Because the B movie, I, I, I don't. Did you have actual B movies in Norway? Do Do you mean did we make B movies? No. So the the idea was that you'd have uh, an A roll and a B roll. So there'd be two films shown, and this is the double feature, right? And and your your A movie would be the the big Hollywood star blockbuster number, and the B movie would have been churned out by another studio for a tenth the budget, with uh, a cast that you'd never really heard of, and, and frankly, the the trailer for the movie would be better than the movie. That's the essence of it. So the the B movies were they were low budget and they were quick and they were dirty, in almost every sense of the word. And and I remember growing up going to the cinema and there being a cartoon plus a B movie plus the A movie on the films were a lot shorter back then right that's the the truth of it is you're not going to get a two-hour 40-minute a movie you know 1974 it didn't look like that no you didn't i i don't think they ever did that in norway and maybe i'm wrong right maybe it's just because i didn't go to the cinema until the early 90s and yeah i mean you, you grow up on dinosaur island right which is i, I don't know if people know much about because you always think of Norway as being the crinkly bits on the outside plus Oslo but south of Oslo there is actually some of Norway including Dinosaur Island which I think would be a, a you know a good place to potentially run this lot because of the uh, the flora and fauna because I think giant radioactive dinosaurs would be an amazing backdrop to to some of this lot. So I come from a small town <laughs> For real. We did have a cinema though, uh, just so it said. It was called the Biorama and it's now shut down like everything else in my small town. And our big claim to fame when I was little was that we had a phenomenal amount of drug use per capita and that right outside my small town there was a quite large, quite long and narrow island called the Long Island, and that was used, is still used, in fact, as a dumping ground for toxic waste. So one of my early memories was my mom rushing out to get me inside and showering me really quickly because some of that toxic waste had fallen into the fjord because of a, a big mishap, and then when carried through, yeah, over on land with the wind, much like our own very, very much nicer Chernobyl accident event. Uh, didn't spread as far, luckily. Both of which actually would be quite a good setting or you know, starting point for a B-movie. Sure. So yeah, no, we didn't get the B-movies at the Biorama where I lived when I grew up, but we did get them at in the night on the TV at home. Never shown with an A movie, though. When all of this lockdown 
is over and the, the zombie apocalypse, which is, a, I suppose, a B-movie in its own right, comes to an end and we start making LARPs again. B-movie is one of the ones that I'm personally interested in trying to, to make. Yeah. Yeah, as long as we get actual movie cameras for our actual players to make actual film, then yeah. I'm still not sure how to get music in there. Uh, it's a really interesting design challenge is, is for the Rocky Horror Show. It was a musical. We had the right to use the music and designed in uh, ways of using the songs that everyone knows to frame parts of the LARP, which I guess, you know, builds on uh, Inside Hamlet, which uses uh, some of the scenes from the play Hamlet to top and tail the act. But I really like the music of the era and I'd like it to be a part of the LARP. I think we should do it once we know when lockdown is over. So I suppose the plan now is to start another Kickstarter to raise money to buy you this mansion in America. Yeah, I think that's only fair. Too bad I can't actually go see it. So we need to raise four and a half million dollars. So if you could make your check, postal order or PayPal out to cash, and send it to us here at the podcast. Yeah. I'm not convinced the fireplace is a real fireplace. And I'm not convinced that that is a real oil painting. I mean, I can live with the fact that it's not a real oil painting, but if it's not a real fireplace, I'm not sure I want to spend four and a half million on it. No, it's dollars though. I'm done here. Okay. <laughs> See, I think we shouldn't buy this place. Because not, neither of us live in America and all the plane companies are going to go bankrupt before we get to travel again for the LARP Rocky podcast. I have been Martina Salvik. And I've been Simon Brand. Cue the music. Cue the music. Cue the music.